Yo, it's your girl Anaya here, and we are back at it again with another episode of the podcast. Um, I'm super duper excited about my guest today. Recently, the NBA announced um, that they were going to have their season in Orlando, have the players finish it out there. And also among that, they decided that they would allow a select few of media personnel within the bubble. And today, I am proud to say that my podcast has made it within the bubble. And we have on a um, media personnel who was actually invited um, and allowed to stay within the bubble today. So please join me in welcoming Tim Sinclair on the podcast. Hey, what's up, Anaya? Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. We're super excited about this one. Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, the bubble is either really fast-paced or nothing, and today's a nothing day, so you're, uh, you're perfect with timing. <laughs> perfect. Um, for those listening who are probably wondering, like, who is Tim Sinclair? Um, a very well-accomplished individual, um, including he's the current public address announcer for the Chicago Fire, the Indiana Pacers, also um, my future alma mater, U of I, women's and men's basketball team. Um, he's done several hundreds of events, actually. And among these include the 2020 NBA All-Star Games and the skills competition. So, Tim, you're, you're a little new to this podcast. So something that we do, um, I pride myself on kind of highlighting um, women within the sports industry every episode. And so I choose, pick and choose a specific one for every episode. And so today I decided to highlight Rosalind Gold on Wude. Um, so a previous Stanford Hooper and a current sports broadcaster and reporter for ESPN and also the boardroom. And Rosalind had a huge accomplishment. She worked on a powerful project with Slam Magazine recently, not sure if you heard, on their social justice issue with Carmelo Anthony. And she actually wrote the magazine intro. Um, so nice. shout out to Roz. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And doing something really well, so um, shout out to her. So we always. At first, I thought you were going to say it was me, and I was going to be very confused. But I'm <laughs> I'm glad glad we worked that out. Yeah. Um. So let's just get into it. So let's start off about how. What's your story? How did you get into PA announcing? Let's tell your story a little. Well, it was kind of lucky in that I was in radio for a number of years and always enjoyed sports, but never did both at the same time. It was either I was in media and talking on the radio or I was watching sports at home or playing or whatever. And when Illinois was looking for a public address announcer back probably 12 or 13 years ago now, I decided I would apply and uh, didn't get the job. They'd already hired somebody. Oh, wow. uh, but, but someone said, you should apply. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll apply. And I didn't get it. And it was like a year later, maybe, um, that they called and said, hey, we need somebody to come fill in at a baseball game. Are you interested? I went, sure. You know what the heck? Why not? And so I did one event that spring. I think that was, I think that was 09. It may have been 08. Okay. Um, but regardless, they gave me a shot. And the next fall, they gave me a shot at a couple other sort of hit or miss events. And then all of a sudden... Like, do you want to do our softball season? And do you want to do gymnastics? Then do you want to do wrestling? And pretty soon I was doing most every sport there was to do except for the big three, football and the two basketballs. Yeah. And eventually that, you know, those came too. They asked me to, to move to women's basketball and to men's basketball and do some football. And that really gave me my love for doing public address. And then the other opportunities just come from hard work and auditioning and trying to put yourself in the right place at the right time. Definitely. So your blessing was, it was delayed, but not denied. So you eventually 
you eventually um, got it. So that's great to hear. And um, so you've been doing this since 09, 08, right? So it's been, it's been a while. Yeah, a little over 10 years. And, um, you know, it feels like the first five were just little events with a few hundred people at them, uh, maybe a thousand or two, depending, you know, all the Illinois sports. Um, but then all of a sudden they get big in a hurry. And then you get the Chicago Fire gig doing, you know, public address for Major League Soccer. And that leads to big events at Soldier Field. And now you're doing it for 60,000 people. And all of a sudden you you put yourself in a position that's uh, a lot of fun. So that's great. That's great to hear. Um Let's talk about, you know, you're at the bubble. We, we're here in a bubble right now. You're in your hotel room. Um, and so what was, I'm curious to know, what was your initial reaction when you learned that you had invites to the bubble? Was it positive, negative? Like, what did you think immediately? Uh, extremely positive because uh, they've got four public address announcers here. And for the league to choose you as, as one of them means they think something of you, which is good. That's great. <laughs> so I'll take that. Um, and, you know, everybody asks, are you scared? Are you nervous about getting coronavirus? I promise you, it is cleaner here than it is at your house or at Walmart or at the gas station. <laughs> I mean, they have done everything they can possibly do to keep people safe, healthy, clean. And so there's no worries for me uh, on that front. The, the downside for me is I have two boys uh, who okay. typically go with me to lots of events. And so we've had some killer experiences getting to do that together but this is one of those events that we can't do together okay yeah so we had to have that talk and uh you know we try to connect through text or phone calls or whatever most every day but that for sure is the downside definitely so actually how long are you staying there uh there's a two-part answer to that question uh, i am in the nba bubble until August the 14th. So that's five weeks. And then I drive from here to Sarasota and I will be in the WNBA bubble for another four and a half weeks working oh, wow. there. So in total, it's a little over two months. So you're getting the best of both worlds, basically. See? All sorts of bubbles. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like, and they're IMG Academy. So yeah, yes. definitely. Okay. That's great. And so, um, you, you already really touched on this, rating the safety of it. And so, you know, we're, we're people, you know, on the outside looking in and only reading about the precautions. So if you can rate it, you know, how's the safety? I know that when you first got there, you had to quarantine for seven days, you know, so how yeah. is it? It's been a, <laughs> it, it doesn't end. It's not like you quarantine and then everybody's fine. Uh, we arrived and they all took us to, to one hotel, um, and, and not at Disney. And the goal there was to do the initial tests. I had two COVID tests during the day and a half I was there. Once you got those tests back and were clear, then they could move you into the, the so-called bubble. Okay. And you came right to your room at Disney. I literally got dropped off 100 feet from where my room is. That's crazy. Wheeled my stuff in, it was at night, so I couldn't, you know, it was dark, I couldn't see really anything. And then I was here for seven straight days. They brought food to my door. Um, we did checks for COVID. That was the only time we were allowed to leave, was to walk down one floor and go to the testing room where they do all the swabs. Wow. Um, but that was, that was it. And while we're in our rooms, we have to do every day, take our temperature. So they gave us a thermometer. 
They gave us one of those um, blood oxygen monitors for your yeah. finger. You're gonna take that and do a questionnaire on an app every day. We still have to get tested for COVID every day, still have to wear our masks. They have these little things on our credentials that beep if you get too close to another person. They're getting us these things called aura rings, which is like, it looks like a, a wedding ring. It's just a really nice metal band, yeah. So everybody gets one of those to track your health. And um, man, so far so good, it's working. That's great, I'm, I'm happy. I know that actually a lot of people, when the NBA first proposed the idea, a lot of people were like, yo, this, this isn't gonna work, you know, at all. Everybody was really skeptical. Um, so from all of the feedback I've been just hearing from players and from people like yourself, everybody's having a good time. So I'm really happy to hear that. I know that um, watching Taylor Rooks, and I know you and her are actually um, close and good friends, yeah. had a negative, uh, a positive test for COVID. And so she had to go through that whole experience. It, however, it was a false positive. Yep. Um, but I know she had to go through that. So that was like really, really tough. So if you got that, that means you would have had to wait to come inside the bubble, right? Correct. And, and some people have gotten a false positive once they've gotten in the bubble. And so what, what happens there is they test again immediately. It comes back negative, then they give them a couple of days of quarantine with tests regularly. And if they continue to come back negative, then they know for sure it's a false positive. Um, but man, they've had such, I think everybody thinks, oh, they're NBA players. They're going to do what they want. The league's going to kind of, you know, turn a blind eye to what, but that is not the case. They <laughs> are, there is no wiggle room here. And I think for the most part, everybody realizes that one, it's, it's, this is historical, right? So they want to prove to history that we can do this. And also it's a paycheck for a lot of people. Like if this doesn't work, a lot of people go home and don't get paid. Yeah. Um, some people are full-time, uh, but, and some contracts are guaranteed, but, but not everybody. And so I think for the most part, everybody realizes there's a whole lot on the line. And, you know, for me, I get paid by the day that I'm here. So if I got to go home early, that, that costs me money. So I want to do my, do my part to stay safe. Definitely got to stay safe and keep your mask on. <laughs> um, so concerning, let's go, let's talk about your work, you know, what you're doing there. And so what exactly are you doing there and how are you covering, you know, when it comes to the media, et cetera? Yeah, my job is much less of a, a media member and simply a part of the game day presentation. So uh, when when people are, it's, it's very similar to what you would experience at an Illini game or a Pacers game if it's a home game. I'm the voice saying, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, you know, wherever it is. Are you giving us a preview? Wait, do it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. The weird part is, you know, there's no public to actually address in the building. Right. So what the NBA has tried to do is create an atmosphere that, feels as much like their home atmosphere as possible. So let's say the Pacers are playing the Lakers and it's a Pacers home game, then all of the signage, all the video boards, all of the music, all of the crowd prompts, those came from Indiana. They were sent to be played during the game. So it feels like an Indiana home game. Yeah. Uh, and the public address announcer, um, in this case, it'd be really easy for me since they're my team, is excited for Indiana and very bored by the Lakers, right? So if Victor Oladipo hits a three, I'm super excited. If it's LeBron James, I just say, LeBron James for three. Yeah. I just <laughs> try to take that off. Um, so, so that's my job is really to do what I would normally do in addressing a public, uh, even though the public's not there, 
It's to keep a consistent environment for the players and a fairly interesting environment for, for TV as well. Definitely interesting. I, I have actually watched a scrimmage yesterday mm-hmm. um, and I saw that they had the, uh, you know, signage everywhere with the individual teams. And most importantly, what tripped me out so much was that they had like the fans and like little chants like defense and everything else. Yep. So I thought that was really, really creative. And it's just going to get more and more. There's a lot of stuff that they haven't shown yet uh, that, that they're going to work toward once the regular games get going here in a week or so. It's it's really quite something. I'm definitely ready to see the finals then. I know it's going to be something special. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then just from being there within the atmosphere, would you say that, you know, you can tell that it's lacking fans a lot or is it, you know, is it making up for it as much as it possibly can? Um. A little bit. I mean, they have done everything they can do to make it as uh, real as possible, but you're never going to replace 20,000 people. There's just not a great way to do that. Uh, However, one thing I don't think that they've used yet, though they're working on getting the right levels and stuff for television, so they haven't rolled it out yet. They do have crowd noise that they can um, change based on what's happening in the game. So there's, there's a dull roar of like what you would normally hear, but if a good play happens for the home team, they can ramp that up into a cheer. They have the, everybody banging the sticks at the end during a free throw. They ha- you know, there's all sorts of things that they're still working on and trying to get perfected. Um, but hopefully they'll, they'll be rolled out here soon. Definitely. So that, I mean, that's great. I, I would even love to be there. I know they're like social distance, like the bench, the bench chairs, et cetera. And so you talked about there being four PA announcers and you're actually one of them. And so when it comes to dividing those games up, you know, splitting who gets what, how, how does that go? So have you actually announced any of the scrimmage games that's happened? Uh, I have not yet. My first, I've got two tomorrow, which we're recording this on a Thursday. So I've got two Friday two Saturday and two Sunday, back to back to back, and then one or two again on Monday. Uh, we, there are teams, so every team has a public address announcer, a game day manager, an audio guy, a video guy, and a couple other people who are designed to work together as a team. And so there are A, B, C, D teams that then get told, you're at this arena for this game, this arena for this game, and we kind of the first three teams are all, there's three arenas. So the first three teams are each at their own arena and they're just always at that arena. And then there's a fourth team which can go to any of the arenas and work games. And that that's the one I'm on. So I'm in the big arena um, Friday and Saturday for those four games and then move down to one of the other arenas for the two games on Sunday. I don't know where I'm at on Monday, um, but that's how they did it. Okay, that's great. And I, I would be happy to actually, you get to move around, you know, you're in the big arena. Yes. You- get a versatility so that's really dope um and when, when it comes to just the, the guidelines you're under as being a part of those teams like how can you know how how do you feel like is your job different under the circumstances what can and can't you do compared to what the players can do like how how's that um I am the public address announcer is really the only other person in the building other than players and coaches who does not have to wear a mask so in that respect, uh, I get the same freedom uh, that the players do. Okay. And, uh, but, but they have us behind, like normally the table crew is right along the front row, which is still where it is, but they have plexiglass all the way around the whole thing now to try to protect wow. us and protect the players. 
we are all, instead of being one straight line, it's rows back. So there's two or three rows. Uh, we are all six feet apart from the person next to us. Um, so very socially distanced. Uh, the, the big issue becomes communication with each other because normally you've got a, a director to my right and an official score to my left and they can say whatever they want to me and then I can relay it to the crowd. Well, um, we're, we're far away now from each other and it's, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear the officials when they come over for a review. So there's a pretty complex system set up of communication and headsets and microphones so that everybody can hear everybody else. Definitely. I know that can be a little tough, um, but I'm sure you guys are working it out and I'm sure you're doing well. <laughs> We're <there>. trying. <laughs> um, let's shift gears a little bit. So let's talk about, well, many athletes have kind of been honing in on the media side of things. And I say that just kind of started with LeBron years ago um, with developing uninterrupted and Kevin Durant with the boardroom, you know, really getting in what they call in front of the media and allowing them to tell their story kind of even before um, it's put out there by the media. And so actually two people that I'm really, really enjoying watching and my favorite right now is Matisse Thibel and JaVale McGee. So they're actually vlogging their experience at the bubble and it's called Welcome to the Bubble. And I love it. Um, Matisse is doing a great job editing. And so I know directly, you know, this isn't your job to sit in and report in front of people, but how do you, you know, feel about them kind of taking advantage of this opportunity and kind of, you know, building their own trajectory or showing how their life is before anybody kind of gets in front of it? Um, and do you kind of think that affects or hurts the works of other media individuals? Uh, I love it, quite honestly. I mean, communication is about storytelling, right? And, and nobody knows the story better than the person that the story is happening to. Not everybody is qualified to tell an engaging story, even if it, you know, the experiences did happen to them, which is why you have ghostwriters for books sometimes and things. <laughs> but, um, but honestly, if you have a platform and you have a story to tell, tell it. Um, I think there are ways the media can engage with that and can tell different sides of the story or maybe a, a more objective part. I mean, that's, that's what the media is really supposed to be, is let's tell an objective story, get both sides of the story, and then present it for consumption. It really isn't that very often anymore, whether it's politics or sports or anything else. There's always opinion. There's always creativity thrown in there, right? The bias, yeah, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's great. And, and I'm not in the public eye nearly like these guys are, but quite honestly, um, I'd rather tell my own story um, than have someone, you know, I enjoy it when people write a newspaper article or do a TV segment on something I'm doing, but I always feel like I could, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that maybe better because it's, it's me, it's my story. And so, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm glad these guys are doing it and uh, getting a chance to be heard. I'm definitely, I'm definitely here for it. Um, I just really say that because everything that you say, you know, nobody can tell your story better than you. Uh, and I love it. I think I'm so in tune with Matisse so much just because like he's a rookie mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of people kind of know him for the rookie antics that the 76ers put him through, but really kind of now we're seeing like who he is outside of being the rookie that picks up the proof for Tobias or Al, et cetera, or Joel. And so, and it also, if you, I don't, I'm not sure if you've watched his videos yet, but they're edited very well, mm -hmm. very well. 
And so you can tell, like, he has some experience with, you know, having a camera, like, he should puts up the right shots and I'm like okay like this is great and so I'm all here for just being a, a rookie like he has about like 27,000 subscribers now and getting like a million views and like interviews awesome. and I'm like the like he can really market himself and hone in on everything in just like a span of these three months you know with just everything that he's doing and I think a lot of kind of deals will really come from it a lot. It's funny that you bring up JaVale McGee. Uh, one, he and I chatted for a few minutes uh, the other day. He was fishing out on the dock. And so I, I talked to him for a second. But um, the guy who's the executive producer of his videos, like is actually doing the editing and putting them out there, uh, one, went to Eastern Illinois University. Okay. And two, uh, hired me for the Chicago fire job in really? Chicago seven years ago and uh, then moved out to Golden State to take over some of, one of their departments out there. Uh, his name's uh, Devin, he's a, he's a great dude. And uh, so anyway, it's, just, it's funny you had mentioned that because I've talked to Devin a few times this week uh, about, about those videos, so I'm glad you're watching them. Yeah, I, I love them, like I consume them. Every time Matisse and Javel's putting up one, I'm <laughs> immediately like in a bed on my phone like watching. <laughs> That's so, great. I love them so much. Speaking of just having conversations with JaVale, which is so, you know, great and having the free ability to, you know, walk around, of course, with your mask on, but communicating with them. How is that? Like what players have you seen in person outside of JaVale? Like have you had any conversations with anybody? How's that experience? Like you're casually walking through the hallway with LeBron <laughs> and JaVale and Anthony Davis. They've done a little bit of separating uh, of us. We, we've got eight teams in our hotel, but uh, in the hotel, there's like a big tower where most of the players are. And then there's like these casitas that spread out from that, which is where a lot of the staff are. But we we walk in a lot of the same areas. I definitely have seen LeBron and AD and uh, Kawhi Leonard and, um, man, uh, Rudy Gobert is everywhere. I've seen, I see him all over the place. Um, but the one – I was taking a picture. I was actually doing a, a segment for TV and just getting some shots on my phone – and apparently it looked like I was taking a picture of something specific when I was just getting scenery. But Duncan Robinson, who played for Michigan and now plays for the Miami Heat, was like, what do you take a picture of? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting the water. He's like, oh, I thought maybe you saw an alligator. And so anyway, that led to like a five or 10 minute conversation as we were walking through the resort. And I introduced him when he played for Michigan, when they played against Illinois. And I've introduced him now that he plays for the Heat when they play the Pacers. So we were talking about that. And he was, uh, he was a very cool dude. I, I appreciated his, uh, how genuine he was. And he was very friendly. That's really great. I know, like, I'm like, when they announced the bubble and then I seen like they were allowing media to come in, like I'm seeing Taylor do the vlogs to Bleacher Report it. Yep. Here's about you following you. I'm like, I wish I was in the <laughs> bubble. Like, you know, like people are in, in um, actually with Taylor's in interview with Kimba, you know, she was talking about how this is, I mean, Kimba actually was talking about like, man, this is probably the first time LeBron's been able to walk around the hallway just by himself and with his teammates freely. And, you know, every, it's just like yep. an environment that everybody's kind of used to. So it's like no fans, you know, just normal and kind of like solidarity a little bit, you know? So yeah, they can't they get stuck in their room at most hotels if they're in Chicago or wherever. Uh, they can't they can't go down to the bar and grab a drink or go walk on the pier because uh, they'd be mobbed. Um, but here they, they can kind of do that. And uh, I saw LeBron, funny story, he was walking through the lobby. It was right after practice and he was in his slides. Um, and it, it was a tile floor and it, it wasn't uneven. But somehow, you know, every once in a while you'll just catch the bottom of your shoe and just <laughs> yeah. stumble a little bit. 
So he did that and didn't fall, but he finished his almost fall by pretending he was doing a layup. <laughs> so he like tripped and fell and then finished in layup <laughs> form. Like I meant to do that kind of thing. It was so funny. Uh, and I think I was the only one who saw it. I really wish I had it on video, but I was standing <laughs> right there when it happened. Definitely. I'm like, that's, that's really amazing. Um, and I'm so happy for them, like really taking advantage of it. And I know it can be a bummer, you know, because fans aren't physically there and you're away from your family for three months, but just having that period where, you know, you're actually doing what you love and it's kind of like a restricted amount of media. And, you know, right. like, there isn't even reporters in their face now. Like they're actually on video sitting down and talking like through Zoom and what we're doing. So I think yep. that's like, really interesting and really crazy. Like, and that's dope. And I think we all feel that way a little bit. Like we all get to do what we love. We're all kind of protected from the outside world for the moment. Yes, there are sacrifices everybody's making to do it. But uh, it really is the best of a bad situation, and uh, everybody seems to be handling it really well. Definitely. Um, let's, let's talk about kind of the social climate there right now. And so the talk of kind of like the town a little bit recently has been the, uh, the NBA's agenda to advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement. And so a lot of people, you know, have their differing opinions, and a lot of players – speaking of LeBron, actually opted out of having a message on the back of his jersey, which I was, like, super surprised about. Mm -hmm. um, and so what would you, you know, I know they have Black Lives Matter painted on the court and doing different things. A lot of people have their different agenda of if they think they're doing enough or if they're doing more. You physically being there, you know, as a person who's there and can actually see what they're doing and the efforts they're putting in, how do you feel about the NBA efforts? Do you think that they're doing enough? Um, and if not, do you feel like there should be more in place? And if so, what, what, what options do you think there are? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying I'm probably not the best spokesperson for <laughs> that movement <Yeah. laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, I think the NBA has done a great job of putting power in the players' hands to let them share the message that they want to share. Um, some other leagues uh, on a variety of different matters uh, have sort of squashed that and tried to make all players the same. No message is going to go out other than the message that that league wants to go out. And the NBA has really said, you know what, we're not only going to let you sort of say and do the things that you want to say and do with regard to this, but, but we're going to help you do those things. Um, when, when I heard Black Lives Matter was going to be on the court, I thought maybe it would be like a sort of signature in the corner or it's it is. Huge. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> right? So it is, it is not a little like, hey, we're just going to pacify people. It is a, hey, this is an issue. This is a big deal. And we're going to try to be on the forefront of putting it on people's minds. And so in that respect, I think it's fantastic. I definitely know that there are um, several moments that are being planned uh, pre-game. I'm sure in the finals we'll see it too. But as this thing ramps up, there will be specific focuses on Black Lives Matter from players, uh, from perhaps some others, some people within wow, the league. okay. And um, so is it enough? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that, but I definitely think that they've done a pretty good job at trying to uh, move it to the forefront and not brush it under the rug. Definitely. I'm really happy that you kind of brought up the fact that they're outside of them putting, you know, their plaques up or writing on the floor that they're actually implementing moments before the game and during the game and 
allowing players to speak. And I think that's something, first of all, that's exclusive for my podcast. So all of you mm-hmm. listeners, I just gave you guys, Tim just gave you all something different. Um, but on top of that, I think a lot of people kind of judge on what we've seen and not kind of think of like, man, let's wait, give them the opportunity to do it, you know? Um, so right. I'm super happy you said it, that I'm super happy they're having those type of events, you know, and I'm not sure what they are, and I'm sure you do, but whatever they're doing to allow players to speak and really bring more emphasis, like instead of a signage or a logo to actually have people talking and stepping up, I really think that's great. Um, and like you talked about, giving the players um, enough, you know, their voices. I know a lot of leagues aren't doing that. For example, you know, the NFL and other places who are having huge problems with their players not agreeing with how they're, um, you know, going about social justice issues. And so I know I was super happy to see that they were allowing players to put a social justice message on the back of their jersey. You know, those include vote, um, I can't breathe, say her name, I am a man, um, those statements who that are truly, truly symbolic within the Black community. So I was happy about that. And I know LeBron decided that he wasn't going to do it because he wasn't consulted about it. So some people Mm -hmm. were having an issue with, you know, yo, I want to say what I want to say, you know? Um, Personally, for me, if given the opportunity, whether I could specifically say whatever message I wanted to, I would definitely take advantage of that opportunity because I think no matter what, you know, it is an example of what you stand for and, you know, if you've had a, a shirt that says I can't breathe in a logo, why not put it on the back of your jersey, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm for it. I think it's a great opportunity, but I'm really happy to hear that there's more coming, you know? So I I'm definitely won't be the person quick to say that the NBA isn't doing enough. You know, I think they're doing what they can right now within the bubble, definitely what they're doing in the games, et cetera. And I'm sure that they're going to do more outside. You know, I would like to see them do some philanthropic things concerning it. Outside of that, I'm really, really happy to hear that they're doing they're doing some good things. Yeah. Well, and the you know the thing is they're already tackling, and this isn't an excuse at all, but they're they're tackling this bubble, which in and of itself is a monstrous task just to get games played, Definitely. and and then they're also trying to handle this other social justice monstrous task. How do we do this right? And they're trying to do them at the same time. Um, and again, it's not an excuse that you shouldn't do what you sh- already should be doing. You know, that, that's not an excuse at all. It's just that there are so many moving pieces on both sides that they're trying to make sure that they're getting everything done at uh, a high level as they can possibly do. And not appease people, but really, really make a difference and do it for a reason, not just to, to quiet noise, but to to actually have an impact. And I think that's a very difficult thing to do and to do well. And you're always going to get criticism, but uh, from everything I've seen, uh, I feel like they've at least made some good steps. Is it over? No, not at all. But is it a start? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Definitely. I totally agree. Um, And like you talked, I kind of haven't even really thought about that perspective of like, we're handling two big monsters (laughs) at literally one time, you know, and concerning, of course, you know, bringing the season back, I didn't even, I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. To be very honest with you, I didn't know, I, I knew, I didn't know if the season was coming back. I didn't know how they would do it. And so I'm happy that it's really working out. And I think that to shout out to Adam Silver. I think he's, he's been handling it very well as being a commissioner. And so I'm really just happy about that, you know, a lot. Um, and concern to the WNBA, you're going to be there in about four weeks. Um, are you excited about that? 
I am. I've I've done some WNBA games for the Indiana Fever, though, though not a ton, maybe seven or eight over the last couple of years. Um, but the fact they're playing their entire season and playoffs in a bubble, yeah, uh, it's, it's shrunk down a little bit, but they didn't even start. So they're trying to get everything in over the course of, of three months, where the NBA is just trying to finish the last little tail end of the season and, and then the playoffs. So I'll be interested to see how they're different, interested to see how they're the same. And uh, I know some of the differences already, but I'm sure until I get there, I won't uh, probably see the full gravity of it all. Yeah, we definitely might need to have you back on and talk about that experience, Tim. I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me know. <laughs> no, of course. Um, and let's let's shift into okay, we're gonna do something fun, right? So you're you're my special guest tonight, and I'm super happy because I haven't like really played like a game with the individual on the. I'm ready for a game. You ready for a game? Okay. I gotta get caffeinated though. Here, hold on. Okay. <laughs> for for those of listening to audio, Tim is sipping <laughs> Seven Up right now. That's what he's doing. <laughs> oh, it's Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So let's start this game called Cut Bench Start. Start Ooh, whatever. All right. right. So I'm gonna we're gonna do two rounds of this. All right. All right. My first set is LeBron, Kawhi, and Giannis. Oh man. <laughs> You're awful. Um start bench cut. Is this for one game or is this for a franchise? Is this Yeah, asking too many questions, Tim. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to start. If if this is for longer than one game, okay. I'm going to start Giannis. Really? Yeah. Um, if this if this was for like the NBA Finals, okay. I start LeBron. Okay. But if this is for like we're going to do this for the season. I start Giannis. This is tough. This is a I tough. I know. Number. I know. Um, and right now, I still gotta then bench LeBron and 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 cut Kawhi. Now, again, if this is for a longer period of time, that starts to change because of age. Yeah. Uh, and I I flip those two and put Kawhi in there, and 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 I guess bench LeBron, which sounds blasphemous, but. Um, I think long-term Giannis is going to keep trending upward. So will Kawhi. I think Giannis causes more problems, especially since he's shooting the three better. Um, But if it's for one game, I'm I'm picking LeBron because, but you made that really, really hard. (laughs) I totally agree. So, so look, we're on the same page. I would definitely, I would start LeBron though. And then I would Giannis and then I would cut Kawhi. Okay. All right. But I get that long term. Like, you know, LeBron's getting old is year year seventeen. Yep. So definitely long term I would switch it around just like you. Okay, let's All right, fair do, enough. let's do a point guard version. Okay. All right, let's do start, bench, cut. Um, let's do Derek Rose, Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook, and John Wall. And this is right now? Let's do let's Not, do right or now. in their or in their prime. How about their primes? Let's make it more oh, interesting. God. <laughs> Man, I just made my life harder. Um, all right, you had John Wall, Derek Rose, and who? And Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Oh man, <laughs> in their prime. I'm 
Wall is a, a, a prolific scorer, but I really I, he's never been on a great team. I think he's been a prolific scorer to the detriment of his teams. Yeah. So I cut him. Okay. And then I start Westbrook, although in their prime, gosh. Come on. He's so good. Rose <laughs> is so good. All right. In their prime, Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook, and then, uh, yeah. Okay, I agree. Derrick Rose is like my favorite player, so I'm like, look, we got to <laughs> Your eyes got real big, but I was going <laughs> to bench him. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, another question. Who do you think deserves MVP this season? There's a big debate between Giannis and LeBron. Yeah, there is. Um, it depends on, I guess, everybody's version of what MVP are. Some people MVP. say, is this the best player or is this the most – I mean, obviously MVP stands for most valuable player. Is it most valuable to your team? I think LeBron might be most valuable to his team, but Giannis might be the best in terms of numbers. Okay. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't ever give it to LeBron just because he's getting older and he might not get more, many more. Or I, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. If I had a vote today, I know this is probably 12 times longer of an answer than you wanted. No, you're kidding. Um, I, th I think I give it to LeBron. Okay. But it's tight. It's super tight. It's super tight. Um, a lot of people have their differing opinions. Um, I do think I've kind of always looked at MVP as not like the best player, but I've kind of always looked at it as what it technically was, which is the most valuable player. I think right. a lot of people kind of overlook that and kind of forget what the real meaning of it is. I'm going to have to go with LeBron also, just because I think like he's kind of came to every team, whether they're struggling or not, and literally changed the trajectory in the season. So I think that he's the most valuable Um kind of like in all aspects for them when it comes to recruiting, you know, anything, you know, I think definitely like Anthony Davis and J.R. Smith, you know, all of these people we're bringing on. Well, the argument against him would be the argument for him would be, yes, he can recruit those players, bring them there. The argument against would be like, can you imagine Giannis and Anthony Davis on the same team? Yeah. Like what would they be doing right now? Yeah. Right. So I think the argument would be, well, anybody could do that with Anthony Davis um alongside them but I, I honestly i think they need to change the name of the award to the mop or most outstanding player that would simplify things greatly it's like who's the best player in basketball which i think was the intent of it initially yeah but now we get into parsing these words over oh no it says valuable so <laughs> he might not be the best but his team really needs him so i think we should just change the name of the award it would make life a lot easier I like that. I think we should, too, because I think that's just like a trend, not even with the NBA, but like kind of all sports team It's always like this controversy of like, who is it the best? Is it the valuable? Like, you know, it's, right. it's kind of that problem. And so we'll end it off with who do you think will be winning it all? <laughs> um, wow. I mean, I, I'm supposed to say the Pacers and I would love to see them make a run. I really do think this year is more wide open than ever for a number of reasons. One, there seems to be a lot of, of parity within the league. There's a couple of teams that have run to the top, the Bucks in the East and the, the two LA teams out West. But um, I think after four months off, 
playing in this bubble, how our team's going to react, how our body's going to react, what our motivation's going to be like, given the different circumstances. I think everybody's going to react a little differently, which means there's more opportunity for teams that might not have had an opportunity before. However, I ultimately think, you know, we're probably going to see Milwaukee out of the East. We're probably going to see one of the two LA teams out of the West. And so I will say. Where are you going with Tim? Drum roll. <laughs> I got friends in all the teams too. Um, I'm going to say Clippers. Clippers, really? Okay. I was just on, I was just on another podcast um, and he actually said the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. So they, if they're firing on all cylinders, they've got a really good crew. I mean, they have firepower. They got Kawhi. They have Patrick Beverly, Lou coming off. Yep. Paul George. Paul George. You know, yeah. They, they have well, and more than anything, they've got offense, but they've got a really killer defense. Yeah. Yes. And defense, like Patrick Beverly was just actually talking about it. He's like, defense wins championships. Like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> right. concerned about anything. Defense wins championships. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to say I got the Lakers. Yeah, I thought you might be taking the Lakers. <laughs> I got the Lakers, but I wouldn't – like, I don't even really have a necessarily, like, a preference on who, like, I really would want to win. You know, I would be happy yeah. to see Giannis get his first ring and a lot yeah. of people on the Bucks. I would be happy to see AD and a lot of people um, on the Lakers get their first ring. And I'll also be happy to see the Clippers win. Like, you know, especially that reign from Kawhi, Kawhi going from the Raptors to right. the Clippers. And if he could do that. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes. And then it's kind of like you're doing the same thing Bron is doing. Like, now every team you go to, you're being powerful. It turns to gold, right? It's got the, the Midas touch, so to speak. Definitely. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I'm On the record, though, game. I'm saying the Pacers. Okay. <laughs> If I had to put money on it, which I can't do and won't do, by the way, NBA, if you're listening, <laughs> you're gonna not allowed. Pacers, because that's the home team. Exactly right. Okay. We got to end this out. You have to give us a sneak peek. Give us the voice. How do you open the games up? <laughs> for like, uh, you want like for the Illini? Let's do, let's do Illini. Illini? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Farm Center on the campus of the University of Illinois for tonight's game between the Michigan Wolverines and your Fighting Illini. Oh my God. <laughs> that was great. I actually always hear that because I'm on a marketing team. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I didn't even know it was Tim, but now I know it's Tim. <laughs> now you know. I'm not, uh, I wasn't lying. It's really me. <laughs> That's great. Um, so Tim, we just want to, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I had some great fun having this conversation. Um, so I'm so happy to have you. Um, and for all of those people listening, stop what you're doing, take a picture, add to your Snapchat story, your Twitter, your Instagram. Um, and if you're enjoying this as much, allow us to get more sports fans on. And I'm super um, happy that you all listening. And I hope that you all really enjoy Tim. I having him on today. So I'll catch you guys in the next episode.